Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. This is John Sanders. I'm one of the hosts here, along with my friend, Les Hughes. Les, what's going on, man? Hey, John. What's up? It's all good here. Great to see you. Yeah, you too, bro. I've had a uh, interesting day, Les. I've been on Zoom calls all day today, and uh, the other day at the fire station, our, our audience that's listening to this via the audio only, they can't see this, but I got a little burn on my face at a fire the other day, and uh, so everyone's been wanting to know, what's that on your chin? You you said it looked like spaghetti sauce, so thanks for that, Les. That helps. Yeah, yeah. This helps. Oh, man. Life. Well, we both got faces for radio, right? Yeah. Wait. Was that a compliment? I'm going to take it as such. So. <laughs> sure. Well, hey, what's up, everybody? It's great to have you. Hey, this week we're titling this episode. The title comes from a really powerful line from our guest who we'll tell you about in just a minute. But we're titling this episode, Pastor, You Have the Freedom to Create a Successful Life for Yourself. Uh, our guest today, Nathan Barber, he's a pastor, and uh, he's in, in addition to growing a church, he's also involved in uh, real estate and doing well with that. But he made a really powerful statement in our interview, Les. He said that you have enormous opportunity and freedom to create a successful life for yourself. And man, that resonates with me. If we could help get that message out to so many pastors, I would feel like uh, we're doing our job because we want pastors to know exactly that, right? That they've got opportunity abounds and the freedom is there for them to not you know, struggle financially as a result of being in the ministry. What what would you say to that? Man, I absolutely. And we hear it over and over and over again. And it's amazing when people start having that realization, how there's almost a a switch that's flipped and they're off, you know, and they're, they begin the journey. One of the things that I've loved about these conversations, John, is how diverse they are. Mm -hmm. So it's good, you know, one week to hear from an expert that's way farther down the road and then some that are just beginning and some success stories and then others that are trying to figure it out. So I'm thankful for this conversation. Yeah. Well, one of the things you're going to hear, and I won't steal his thunder, but you're just going to hear uh, Nathan has a really clear vision for where he wants to take his business and his family in terms of some of their financial goals. And you're going to hear that unpacked as we as we share his story. So without any further ado, let's cut to this interview that we did recently with Nathan Barber. Check this out. Well, Nathan, welcome to the Entree Pastors podcast, man. We're delighted to have you with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, can you tell us, uh, and just out of my own curiosity, how did you get connected with the Entree Pastors platform? Because I honestly, I've never met you before. Uh, today other than just some online stuff. So how did you kind of find out about us and get connected to all of this? I think it was through uh, a, a mutual friend. I think Ryan Hayden. Okay. Um, I think I came across that he had posted uh, that he had interviewed, I think with you guys or discovered you guys and put that on Facebook. So I made my way over and then found your podcast. I love listening to podcasts. And uh, this really, really resonated with me. So well, cool, man! Thank you for that. We appreciate it, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. So why don't we start with just a little bit of an introduction? Tell the audience uh, where you are pastoring and a little bit about your journey into the pastoral world. Okay. 
So I am a church planter in the uh, Joliet area of Illinois. So that's the far southwest corner of Chicagoland. And I, I didn't grow up in the state, but I grew up in a pastor's home. And when I went to Bible college, I, I knew from a, a child, I just had a passion and wanted to be in the ministry. My dad was a church planter. So I've been able to experience that, kind of whet my appetite and went, went to college, got my degree um, in Bible and uh, master's degree in Bible as well. And my first, my assistant pastorate was in South Carolina with a pastor who had sent out uh, five church planters previously. Mm. And I wasn't sure if I had what it took to be a church planter, but he had planted a church in Ohio. He had experience with sending out five other guys before me. And he really challenged me to be praying about it. And the more I prayed about it, the more God just began to just open my mind to it and excite me about the possibility. And he was a, a great mentor in that he really called out the best in me and he could see in me what I didn't necessarily see there. And he said, I, 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 he was convinced that I could do it. And, and the more I prayed about it, the more I thought this is, this is, I think this is exactly what God wants me to do. Mm. And long story short, God miraculously brought me to the Illinois area because I, I really wanted to have a mother church type of relationship and my brother pastored in Woodridge and the Lord had put this specific area where I'm at now on his heart couple of years before I came to the area. So he'd been praying about helping a church get started in this area. It's about an hour away from his church, but he'd never shared that with me. And I had not yet shared with him my convincement that God had called us to church planting. That was definitely the, or put it this way, was calling us mm -hmm. to that way, that way. So the more we opened doors, the more we knocked on the door, so to speak, the more the doors opened. So he shared his burden with me. He's like, this is amazing. God be, could be putting this together because I'm trying to launch a church out of my own would love to be able to help you. So Lord put that together. We moved up in uh, 2012. We raised financial support from primarily churches in Illinois, but also uh, ch churches in the Midwest, some in the South. In one year's time, we were able to raise financial support for my family. And uh, the way we decided to do the launch was we did start off with a prayer meeting in the house for about a month, building a team. Uh, we literally started from scratch. So folks that my brother Matt was planning to, to, to send with us, that did not pan out but we were already here and had already raised our, our finances. So we started with a very large, big launch, uh, made like 35,000 phone calls in 21 days, did a mailing, uh, five different mailings, and had a big launch October of 2013. And we had a, a ton of people saved, a lot of people saved and baptized right off. And I've been building the team as we've gone along. Uh, the, the way I did it is a parachute launch, so to speak, because I'm not from the area. That's one of the hardest launches to do. So I've literally been building the team as we went. And that, that financial support there was a, a huge part of that that's allowed me. I, I still have just under 50% of the support that I raised eight years ago, Wow, which is a blessing. But in all of that, as the family grew, the church did not necessarily grow as fast as the needs of my family did, especially as we're losing financial support. So little by little, we lose support. The church would grow. They'd be able to take us on for more, uh, cover more of our salary. But um, several years back, I could kind of see the church was not growing fast enough to take over the gap mm -hmm. <laughs> between su support being lost and where our church was at. So before I got into church planting, I'd, I'd talked to just numerous of church planners. And anytime I heard someone was planting a church, especially in Illinois, I tried to learn everything that I could. And this area has been really kind of rough on church plants. It's an expensive area. 
many church plants uh, have come and gone before me um, in the Chicagoland area. So I found many of the guys when they when they took this step, when their funding ran out and they took this step to become bivocational, many of them went to uh, more of a low skill job, like driving a bus or something like that. Some guys thrive with that, but not in this area. Mm. It's, it's too expensive. If, even if you drove a bus 40 hours a week, you are not going to support a family on that. So I was faced with, okay, if, if, I, if I run to the end of the money, my end of my savings and the end of the church's savings, I'm going to be forced with options that I know are not sustainable. So before I absolutely had to pull the trigger on that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, well, it's interesting what I also filed my taxes wrong. All right. So as a, as a new senior pastor, I forgot that, or I did not realize I was supposed to pay the 15 and a half social security tax on housing allowance. Mm. So I hadn't done that. And a financial advisor brought that to my attention. And at that point, I was now owing $8,000 when you put together the fees and all of this and interest. And so it's like, and then I realized I wasn't going to get the return at the end of the year that we'd been living on because the church couldn't, you know, make it all work. And so that return would help me throughout the rest of the year. Well, I had to give that all back and then some, and I realized, okay, we have a little bit of savings left, but this isn't sustainable anymore. So putting all those things together, I realized, okay, while I still have some lead time with savings, I have got to find something else to do that is skill-based, not time-based. So like countless real estate people, what gets you into the market many times is reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you've not read it yet, beware, (laughs) or you're going to invest in real estate. I had read that as a newlywed and, and knew that if I wanted to buy myself time freedom, which is really what this is all about, to do what, what God's called me to do. One of the fastest scalable ways is through real estate. Can I just pause you real quick? This is great. You're doing a great job of interviewing yourself on our show here. So uh, great. Les and I are just going to kick back and let you go, man. Um, I want to pause though for just a moment because I'm yeah. very curious to hear about your real estate uh, journey, but I want to just back up for a minute because there's some pastors in the back that need to hear this again. So yeah. here you are, church planter in a in a more upscale area, more expensive, I don't know if upscale is the right word, but it's Chicago. It's not a cheap place to live. And you found out that where many pastors are, that uh, church planting is not necessarily the way to riches and wealth, right? So the money's running out. You see that coming. What would you say to a pastor that finds themselves in that same place right now today? Um, just I, I just want to pause in that tension for a moment before we just blow right past this in your story, sure. because this is the pain point where so many pastors are sitting today. So talk to that pastor that is where you were a few years ago, looking down the barrel of this thing that does not make much financial sense whatsoever. What do you say to them? I think being a small church pastor has enormous advantages, provided that you've got a good leadership team behind you. You have enormous opportunity and freedom to create a life for yourself that many nine to five don't have. All right. In many ways, hey, we file as a our taxes, we file as self-employed, even if you get a W-2. In the eyes of the government, we're self-employed. If you can convince your church that, listen, you know, if you can get your leadership team behind you and say, listen, I my first priority is to provide for my family. And that's actually my priority before it's the churches. And that therefore, then it is also my 
responsibility then to determine what does my family need, and that is also not the responsibility of the church. So you put those two things together, and if, if the church can't meet the need, it does not necessarily mean I need to go. I, I, had some, I had numerous mentors say, hey, you know, when the money runs out, that's just God closing the door. And many good things take time to grow. Mm. So what I wanted to do is give myself the time to let time do its perfect work. You know, it's about longevity and consistency over time. The biggest thing you have to to, to get over is the fear of, you know, what will other people say about me? Mm. You can't live a slave to what people think about you. So you have to get over that and, and realize that, that there, there is, there's a greater opportunity. I think sometimes as Christians, we do want to walk by faith, but sometimes we become too passive Yeah, and we don't create enough. Um, we're not aspirational enough and we're not creative enough. And we just take, I, I think it's almost a, a, um, a wrong view of contentment. We want to be content, but then sometimes can, contentment can turn to complacency and it stifles our creativity. Yeah. And I, I think you've got more choices than you're serving yourself. This is so good. You you just dropped some really gold stuff on our audience right here. And I want to back up for just a moment. Well, real quick, did you have a good leadership team behind you? It sounds like you did. Yes. And and that's the privilege of a of starting a church is you get to build a leadership team around you. And so I know there's a lot of guys out there that have inherited a culture. And, and that's that, that may not allow them the flexibility to, to be bivocational. But guess what? You, I guarantee there are so many churches out there that need a pastor who's Amen. bivocational. Yep. You can find another. <laughs> if you look, you, you can find a good leadership team. I think the best, I've had the privilege of creating one, which has been awesome. That's good. Well, the thing I wanted to point out, 100% agree that having a good leadership team behind you is super helpful. But the thing you said that was so awesome to pastors is that you have enormous opportunity and freedom to create success for yourself. And you don't just have to run off and, you know, because the money's not there for the paycheck from the church. And I just want pastors to hear that and let that resonate. You have freedom, regardless of what Gladys in the church might want you to think. You have the freedom and you have a great opportunity with the nature of pastoring being what it is. It's not a unique, it's not a normal nine to five job. There's some unique things about it that allow a pastor, if, if he's creative and willing to you know, think outside the box a little bit to do some things and not just trade their time for money, which is something I heard you say earlier too. Like, how can I leverage the skill that God has given me and some of the gifts that make me a fit for a professional role like pastoring and how can that play out in the marketplace? So let's, let's jump back to your story. Why you're making a decision now to move into a more bivocational posture. Like why real estate? What was it about that that drew you in? So I, I realized early on that this has the potential to scale very, very quickly. And I, 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 I came across the podcast, Bigger Pockets podcast. If anyone is, is um, you know, want, wanting to aspire to investing in real estate, they're up to like 500 episodes. I probably listened to half of them. And they interview people from every stage of life. And I would hear pastors talk about how they were, were bivocational and then started investing in real estate on the side and transform their life and, and bought them all kinds of time freedom. And so I realized, okay, this is the way that I can kind of tent make, be a tent maker, um, run this as a business. I'm not buy, you know, wanting to buy property to, because obviously I've not invested in property yet, but I wanted to become a realtor so I could become an investor. 
Um, I read a great book by Scott Trench uh, called Set for Life. And you want to find something that lines up with your skills as a pastor. I chose becoming a realtor. I don't recommend that for most. It's something I don't plan to do long-term myself. But a lot of my skills lined up with it. I get to meet a lot of people. I am coaching and counseling people on how to sell their house, how to buy a home. For me, I'm not selling to my people. If you choose this route, you cannot sell to your people. You have to let them come to you. You want to, you just cannot be viewed as, oh yeah, he's building his church to feed his business. You just cannot do that. So what's awesome about it, then that means I have to develop relationships completely around that portion. So I had to build a new sphere. So I've had a little bit longer runway to get into this because I'm building a new sphere. But being a church planter, being someone very outreach focused, someone who is initiator, those are the skills necessary to to succeed in real estate, especially if you want to be a great listing agent where you list homes. That's where the leverage is, not working with the buyers. You only work with a buyer who um, has a home to sell as much as possible because buyers take an immense amount of your time. And a successful realtor is going to spend most of their time actually prospecting. The brokerage and the team helps you sell that house. It is your job to go out there and prospect. So that's something I wanted to get better at with as a pastor anyway. I wanted to build the skills, the communication skills. Um, You get to where you can build rapport. And in 30 seconds or less, whether it be over the phone or maybe 60 seconds, within 60 seconds, I can build rapport and get someone's email address for further contact. And it, so it, what you have to do to be a, a successful realtor is, is you really have to, to focus on relationships. And that as a pastor, that, that's what we do anyway. It's not as much transactional as it, as it is about the relationship. So from beginning to end, if you focus on, okay, this is about building relationships, serving people, bringing people value, then over time, I'm going to build that database, keep nurturing it. And, um, the first five years from what I've heard from other realtors are the hardest because you're building your database. You're trying to get it up to one to 2000 people and that's going to pay your bills then. And then I'm not going to have to make that many outbound phone calls to strangers or, or a door knock. But I, I did it because I can scale that and then step back and then focus on let the, the deals come to me. And now focus on using the cash flow to provide for my family, which is already doing. We could not no longer be here if I was not doing this and also have the money to save so I can purchase investment property. And I'm about hey, Nathan, to pull the trigger on that this year. I want, to, you know, I want to just just kind of put a bookmark right there as well, because something that you just said strikes at the heart of really what it means to be what we're calling an entree pastor. And this is you never stop serving people mm-hmm. to serve your own personal needs. And and even that because as a pastor, it's the whole you know, put in the oxygen mask on yourself first on the plane before you help somebody else. Like if you weren't able to survive there in that area, those people would not be served at least by you. Correct. And and we can, we can have a discussion about what that would mean long-term for the, for the health or even existence of that local fellowship, but it wouldn't be led by you if this weren't happening. And and so I really want uh, to, to emphasize that because this isn't really about you. But it's still about the people that God called you to serve, just doing it in a little bit different way. So if you would, go back and just talk to that 2013 version of yourself. And what might help 
fast track it a little bit more for those that I, I, there's no substitute for putting in the work, building those relationships. Can you talk about some of the things that you've learned in the process to where it, if you could go back and do it over again, it, it'd be, you'd be more effective. One of those things I think would be through coaching within my second year, I realized I was out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And when you're building a team from scratch, you're relying on people that are, are not proven and tested. So I had done that and it it hurt our church. And so I realized I need coaching. And so we had some funds uh, given for our church plant uh, to help me get started where I could go out and purchase one year of executive coaching. That was huge. Mm. In retrospect, I really wish I had maintained that um, and sustained that. Well, have we got a deal for you, my friend? Have we got a deal (laughs) for you? Let's just stop and and applaud that. (laughs) Sales pitch. Here we go. (laughs) Do you you mean uh, by that, do you mean kind of general life coaching type stuff, professional coaching, or specifically somebody that had kind of, the way I put that is they've been to the mountain in the real estate world and they know how to get there? Well, because I've only been doing real estate for the last three years. So this, this guy was, at that point, I wasn't bivocational. At this point, I was just doing church planting. And so I hired an executive coach who'd worked with, uh, he'd been a pastor before, had worked with numerous pastors and uh, church planters as well. So I, I really, we, we talked about all kinds of things, but the main thing was he really helped me to build a volunteer culture in the church. I, yeah. And this is another thing for, for the guy who's looking to do this. I did have a runway where I could build, I built a team. I spent four years building a volunteer team yeah. and we worked up to the, where our church could afford a part-time administrative assistant for me. She, she's a, a member, but she works from home because up until this year, we just bought our first building, but up into this year, she, she's, she's had to work out of her house. So she's kind of in a sense, She's been virtual, but having that team was critical and it's changed the whole culture of our church. We don't have Sunday school. We have a volunteer meeting. I'm constantly resourcing in the, them every Sunday. It's a short meeting, but it's, it's an entry point for people to get involved and serve. So you can delegate a lot of your ministry stuff. And if I had not done that and I was still wearing all these different hats, I wouldn't have done well. Another thing that I did, uh, which I should have, wish I would have done right away and for my bivocational guys out there or considering, you got to do this. Even if you have a skilled bookkeeper in your church, that's great. But you still need to hire third-party accounting. I wish I'd done that right away. We okay. operated out of a checkbook. That's it's 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 foolish in, in my 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 mindset. Um, it costs us about three or four hundred dollars a month to have a third party that work, specializes mm-hmm. in accounting, church accounting, nonprofit accounting, which is different than other kind of business accounting. Uh, you're doing fund accounting, having them guys, listen, you will draw the kind of people, person that you're becoming. And why should wealthy people or people of means come and give your church finances if they don't have the proof that you steward it well? Mm. So having third party accounting is huge. And those reports are made every single month so they can see there's transparency with our books. And that has been critical too. And even if you think you can't afford it, you've got to. Because I think for for wealthy people and people of means, they shouldn't go to your church if you don't have good financial processes, because it's not honoring God with their finances. All right. So you have to be you have to put yourself in a place where you are trustworthy and you have systems in place. 
guys, you have to think like a business person. You can't just think, you know, theological training is not enough. You also have to run that business in a way that this world is a kind of book of Proverbs level stuff. I wish I'd started that right away. When we hired that accounting, I made the room because I was like, I'm beyond what I can do. This is horrible. Uh, I was help, helping to work as the bookkeeper with one other person, and it was it was insane. When when I did that, it's, it's amazing the kind of people that we that we began to retain compared to before was mm. very different. No, yeah. that's interesting. Um, so I would have done that as well. Uh, I would have done that much earlier. Well, let me just um, summarize. I think I could afford. It. Let me just summarize what I'm hearing you say, Nathan, and I appreciate it. You're saying hire a professional, whether it's a professional coach, a professional bookkeeper. And I just want to connect the dots here for pastors. Cause again, the average church, especially in my tribe, kind of the small town rural churches that the, the immediate roadblock is going to be, we can't afford that. And it's not that I'm saying the pastor should carry all that burden. Like, like it's their fault. The church can't afford it. But I do want to say, pastor, if you're making an above average salary through some entrepreneurial business, it takes some pressure off a of church. There's now funds available to hire said professional bookkeeper, professional coach, that sort of a thing. The tension is sometimes you need to make that investment before you feel like you can afford it. And then it's amazing what happens as you start seeing fruit from those things. But it, it, it just never ceases to amaze me when pastors who we say we believe in this limitless God who can do unbelievable things and do the impossible and then ask them to hire a coach. And they're like, well, that's impossible. You know, I, I hit this limitation. I can't do that. So anyway, good stuff, man. Les, yeah. you, you got any other questions there before we go backstage? Well, a comment at, to just to underscore that, you know, to, to expect any kind of results or it, not, not even to mention exponential results would be, you mentioned having a lot of cornfields on one side of, on one, you know, side of you, that would be about like going out to your porch each morning and just expecting corn to grow when you haven't planted any at all. There needs, there needs to be an investment. There's, there's a, there's a planning that takes place and that's only part of it. You know, God does a lot to, to make the increase, but we do plant that seed or make that investment. So that's a, that's a good insight. I appreciate you sharing it. Well, Nathan, before we go backstage, one thing I, I wanted to say is I, something that really attracted me to you when you and I connected, uh, I think on Facebook and we're just messaging back and forth. You have a very clear vision for where you want to see this real estate strategy take you financially. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're willing to join us backstage, and we'll unpack that a little bit further for some of our premium subscribers and our community members to listen to you share that. I love the clarity. I love the focus that you have. And uh, so we'll we'll go there in just a moment. Before we do, though, if there's anyone listening to this that is leaning toward real estate, maybe they're just getting going in real estate and they're a pastor and they're like, man, I'd love to have a further conversation with this guy. Are you willing for people to contact you? And if so, what would be the best way for them to find you? Yeah, probably the best way would be through through Facebook. If you have Facebook, Facebook message uh, message me. Uh, you could probably also reach out to me by way of my um, email. Would be another good way. Pastor at shorewoodbaptist.com. That'd probably be the best way. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, Nathan, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit more, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. We'll join you backstage here real shortly. Thanks, Nathan. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Nathan Barber. For those of you that are backstage subscribers or part of our Entree Pastors membership community, you all have access to the backstage portion that uh, will 
be jumping into that here in just a few minutes. But in that, Nathan unpacks his own personal strategy when it comes to real estate and uh, gives some more specific details there. So if that is of interest to you, just stick around for a few more minutes and we'll, we'll be in the backstage portion. But Les, before we sign off, we have the next real big thing. Uh, in the life of Entree Pastors that we want people to know about. We put a video out here this past week in our Entree Pastors Facebook Connect group, which, by the way, we would invite you to jump in and join that. It's a free group on Facebook. But we announced it a few weeks ago on the podcast. What are we talking about, man? Tell us about this B3 retreat. Yeah, the B3 stands for Beach Business and Breakthrough, and that's our promise. We'll be uh, diving deeply into all of those things, beaches. I mean, it's kind of speaks for itself, John, there's something about unplugging from the routine and the, and the familiar sounding uh, surroundings every day and really getting away with like-minded people for a time of focus. And just to let your brain rest a little bit, it's really amazing, amazing how the, the creativity and the creative ideas start to flow when we give ourselves a little bit of a break and just get some margin. That's what the we've experienced it ourselves. That's what that week is designed to do, those couple of days. And then we are we want to give specific and very um, tailored attention to the people that will be experiencing that. So we're only taking eight. And it could be eight couples. Hopefully there will be couples. Uh, where you want to take your your husband or your wife with you, and but it'd be but it'd be eight and only eight because we really want to um, go uh, deeply with the people that are there and give plenty of time to for the breakthroughs really to happen. Absolutely, and everything you said there, Les, is so spot on in terms of the time away, away from just the the grind of being at home and kind of surrounded by your normal surroundings surrounded with the small group of people that are focused on you and your success and just the breakthrough that can come from that. So there's only eight spots available. Now we are making an exception. Like if you bring your, you can bring your spouse for free. We're not charging extra and and your spouse isn't taking up a spot. So technically we could have uh, 16 of us sitting in a circle on the beach. Uh, But the dates, by the way, are May 17th through the 19th. And uh, right now we still don't even have a sales page up for this or a landing page uh, this is really going to be a hand-selected group. So if this is something that is of interest to you, we would just invite you to shoot us an email, john at entrepastors.com or less at entrepastors.com and just indicate that, hey, I heard you guys talking about that B3 retreat. I want to be a part of that. Can I have one of those spots? And uh, we would be, love to put you on the list if you're a good fit for that. But man, you come out of that event, you've got a business plan. You've got some connections through not only you and me, less our relationships and our network, but that that would be represented by the others there. You've got connections to people right. that can help you make that happen. It's going to be worth every penny of that investment. So we're hoping to fill those spots, eight of them, May 17th through the 19th, hanging out on the beach in Florida. It's not, by the way, Les, this is not a conference, right? We're not, we're not doing a lot of content. This is a lot of individual focus time with the pastors that'll be there, correct? Taylor made. Taylor made. TaylorMade, bespoke. They talk about that with suits. You can get a suit that is bespoke. It is built just for you. Maybe someday I'll have one of those. But anyway, hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our show today. We are appreciative. We love having you in the community. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, we encourage you to do that. If you've not left a rating or review, man, we'd be so thankful if you jump onto iTunes there. 
and uh, leave a five-star rating. If you're only doing one star, then this doesn't apply to you. Don't do that. But (laughs) leave us a rating and review. We'd be so grateful for that, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. God bless.